Anyone over the age of 60 is invited to join Copper Country Senior Meals at our congregate meal sites that are located throughout Houghton and Keweenaw County. These meals are affordable, nutritious, delicious, and maybe most importantly, a great experience for those who attend. You'll make new friends, meet some incredible volunteers and staff who put the meal on, and ultimately find yourself a community of people you'll create almost a family-like relationship with. The only qualification for this is to be 60 or over. Learn more at coppercountryseniormeals.org or by calling 483-1155. Welcome once again to Copper Country Today. I'm Todd Van Dyke. Our program brought to you by the Portage Health Foundation. And boy, once again, I want to say thanks to all of the people who took part in the Giving Tuesday adventure that they sponsor. Hundreds of thousands of dollars raised this year. I haven't seen a final total yet, and it may be a while before we get one. It takes them a while to crunch the numbers, but boy, those 26 nonprofits are certainly going to benefit. So find out more about uh, the Portage Health Foundation at phfgive.org. Summer is behind us. Winter is starting to unfold, and I thought it was time for an update from Brad Barnett with Visit Keweenaw. Take a look back at how our summer tourism season was and uh, how things are laying out for the upcoming winter. So, Brad, welcome back to the program. Hey, Todd. Thanks for having me. Now, for those who are not up to speed on Visit Keweenaw, what is that? Well, (laughs) more, uh, we went through a brand update uh, earlier this summer. We were formerly referred to as the Keweenaw Convention and Visitors Bureau. Which needed a very large business card because there's a lot of verbiage there. That's right. Or the CVB was the local acronym that I got used to saying, and I'm still saying it today. I can't get it out of like my It'll brain. It'll take yep, years. Yep. But, uh, but now visit Keweenaw. It's a little easier to say. Uh, maybe implies a little bit more what we're about as an organization. Well, and, you know, Convention and Visitors Bureau kind of puts the emphasis on the convention part. And mm-hmm. people think that it's a stuffy business organization. And in fact, that I'm sure is part of what you do, but most of what you do, I suspect, is focused on the visitor and the tourism part. Absolutely. So uh, it's 95% of what we really do, Todd. And so you're right. Part of it's just being more accurate about what our core mission is. And, and it also helps signal to our, our community partners maybe a differentiating point from us compared to make some of our other economic development organizations in the Keweenaw. Do we have conventions? Because we're, so <laughs> well, we're so out of the way here. Yeah. I mean, if somebody's looking to put together a big convention they usually look for some type of central location Mm. and we're not really that no we're a little out of the way there's no question about it we're a destination that takes some getting to no question about it and then you know we aren't in terms of facilities we we do lack some core infrastructure for really large events planning now michigan tech uh, you know their space on campus finlandia has space on campus so it's not to say that maybe the 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 small and mid-sized conventions couldn't be something we would want to target but you know we just need to make sure we focus on our core competencies and if we were to get into that space it would take a lot of community partnerships to make it happen well and you've got to look out and say is there a real need for it Mm -hmm. and i think with our location probably not so much yeah yeah i think we're staying busy there's no question about it and again i think that small meeting size you know that could be handled you know anywhere from you know 20 to 50 you know in terms of participants right we're actually well positioned for something like that i mean imagine going out and having an executive meeting at the keweenaw mountain lodge during the summer sure fantastic you know winter's a little different right because of transportation and getting up here but i think there are opportunities for us to to pursue it, but maybe not in the traditional convention sense that we we think of when we think of like large scale meetings. So let's take a look back over the last few months. Summer was, <laughs> it's gone now. We've noticed that. Uh, how did things go this summer? So we had a, a, a surprisingly strong summer. Why surprisingly? Uh, well, because I think a lot of folks, you know, we had two big questions coming into summer. One, 
you know, 2021 was obviously a very strong year for us. And we knew a lot of that was driven by pent up demand because of the pandemic and the stay home orders. Um, and so we thought, is that just a blip on the radar? Was that just, you know, a happy accident? Uh, and now we're going to revert back to sort of the norm or the mean. Uh, so that was one big question. Was that a new norm? Or was that, again, just a once in a lifetime kind of bump uh, because of the pandemic? The second was, is at the beginning of the year, we had some economic headwinds that were causing some concern. Uh, gas prices jumped from, you know, two dollars and fifty cents a gallon up to five dollars a gallon uh, concerns of inflation starting to take hold really put a damper in early summer travel planning a lot of our consumers just kind of put hit a pause button just they just didn't know what to expect when it came to summer so you know we saw you know some concern there and some softness in the early market and so going into summer we were kind of like you know kind of getting a little squeamish thinking what would happen but once things stabilized kind of in early june gas prices sort of seemed to kind of plateau and even begin to dip a little bit we saw summer travelers were really eager to get up here and as you know we're a drive destination yes. right so getting up here 95% of the people who come up here during the summer are driving to get up at their personal vehicles or, or you know buses whether if it's like a team sport and gas prices really impact that so nobody arrives by train anymore no and the tra- <laughs> the train and yeah there are no ones take well we did have some cruise passengers this year and I'm yes sure we'll we talk did about and that, that was yeah. wonderful yeah how did the cruise thing work out? Obviously, the first couple uh, just didn't go because of weather concerns and uh, outboarding, things of that nature, for, at least for the, the, the larger boat. The smaller boat was able to come in, but um, eventually it kind of settled in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so we had seven scheduled visits uh, for this summer. Uh, when we went into it in spring, we were expecting seven visits uh, using Houghton as the port of call. Uh, those visits were scheduled by the American Queen Cruise Line Company uh, and Viking Cruise Line. And so you're right, uh, a couple of them, two or three, were canceled um, because whether it was weather conditions, and that's what they stated. There was a, one extra condition where I think they just needed to get to another location really quickly for another reason, and so they just went ahead and bypassed Houghton. But for the stops that they did make, uh, exceptional experiences. We heard, we've heard very positive reviews from the customers and passengers that did manage to make it into Houghton, to the broader Keweenaw. Uh, you know, they had, they really enjoyed our communities. They thought this was a beautiful place. Uh, so we were really happy with this first run. Um, again, this came together pretty quickly for us because, you know, it'd been about a decade since the last cruise ship had come in. So community partnerships, you know, the city of Houghton staff, the chamber of commerce, visit Keweenaw, we came together to put on a really nice welcome. Uh, and we're looking forward to the return, uh, of the industry, hopefully in 23. Because that's the flip side question. Mm-hmm. How satisfied were the cruise companies mm-hmm. with us? And if I, I began to get a little worried after the first couple didn't work out, mm-hmm. you know, are they going to be comfortable coming here again? Yeah. So the, I mean, the, the, the cancellations were on, were on Viking. Uh, and they were bringing a boat that was a 600-foot vessel, brand new. I didn't have a scratch in, 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 until it got into the Q&O waterway. Um, and it, it, wait, wait it, we scratched it, their boat? They did ding it. Apparently, we got a little scratch on the side of the hole there, right? And, so, and they also had some new ship pilots. And so a couple of those things, that because of the size of the vessel... Um, and the new, I'm going to say the inexperienced pilots caused a couple of what we would consider premature cancellations. Uh, however, Houghton has and the Keweenaw has. I mean, we've got the the amenities and facilities. We are actually a you know a harbor of safe passage, right? So right. when there's storms out there, you know this is this is where you're supposed to kind of come in. Um, so we have all the infrastructure and the amenities able to. To, to accommodate ships of this size. I mean, we're not talking about the 2,500 passenger ships that we see down in, in the Caribbean. You know, we're talking about ships that really range anywhere from like 
400 feet to again 500 feet that's our sweet spot and we can accommodate those and, and we're excited for 23 because we think we can put on a pretty good show good i was i was concerned because i thought oh boy if they don't feel that their people can get off the ship on a regular basis. Maybe they choose someplace else. Yeah. I wouldn't want them to do that. No, so. and, and, and we're making a concerted effort to kind of make sure that, that the cruise industry understands what we have to offer. Uh, and some of that may be dispelling this notion that we're not a place that, you know, is easy to get into. I think we just have to make the case that we are, and here's why. Um, but again, the queen, uh, she had no problem getting in the couple of times that she came in. It just, uh, you know, the, the Viking cruise line, that was just a massive ship for the Great Lakes for on the cruising side. And, and that's that's the exception, not necessarily the norm. So we think we're, we're still a really good fit for this industry. Are they going to bring that same ship back next year? We are scheduled for two more visits in the summer. And when we look back to last year, this time, we were only supposed to get two to four visits and then they threw through seven on right you know and so and they sold them out and, and they sold them out so it wasn't a demand issue and again they added those cruises based on i presume a demand side planning, that, right? that that would make sense yeah so hopefully you know i know there are some issues with viking right now where um you know they're of course looking at their season and their long-term development plan and things like that and so there's going to be some some uh you know reshifting and reshuffling of the deck with their assets right so but there are a number of other companies that are operating in this space specifically targeting Great Lakes cruising as a growth opportunity. And so, you know, us doing that outreach and getting ahead of the curve and introducing the Q&A as a potential destination to these uh, these companies, right, is something we're looking forward to doing. Well, and the one thing that we do have that I think the cruise companies look very kindly upon is that opportunity to get off right at downtown. Mm -hmm. They don't have to provide transportation mm -hmm. to the nearest downtown. Mm -hmm. You can walk up the hill and there you are. Yeah, no, this is... Houghton and the Keweenaw and Hancock, this is a great setup for, again, small ship cruising in the Great Lakes. But uh, you know, Our downtowns are not only accessible, they're beautiful. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've got uh, beautiful cityscapes. We have a number of already created experiences, right? Whether it's the Quincy Mine or the A.E. Siemens Mineral Museum, the Finnish American Heritage Center. We've got all these things, the Keweenaw National Historical Park all within really relatively close proximity to each other, a really dense compaction, if you will, of experiences. And that's what these cruise ships are they're looking for, right? It's, yes, the destination is important, but they want the experiences that, that really go, that are unique, that go along and contribute to, you know, their passengers' joy uh, of traveling. And so us having those experiences already pre, sort of pre-built in some ways, I think gives us a really great advantage in order attracting more of this industry in the future. Talking with Brad Barnett from Visit Keweenaw, as you look back at last summer, what were the attractions that you saw that drew the most people here? And were there any surprises in that? We didn't see huge changes in terms of what brought people up here. I mean, it was the natural beauty of the area. It was our trails. It was our beaches. Um, you, know, the, you know, the lakes, if you will, right, whether it's inland or Lake Superior. Those continue to be our calling card. Obviously, our historical offerings, again, we talk about heritage sites, you know, through the Keweenaw National Historical Park, right? Those are things that, that once people get here, set our destination apart, right? That may not be the primary driver. They may not be coming up here specifically for those historical attractions, but once they get here, they're blown away by the experiences that they have to offer, and that makes us a unique destination. 
one of the big developments over the last couple of seasons that, are, that is new is this idea of astro-tourism, right? Where people are coming for dark skies and seeing the northern lights. They want to come up here. They're seeing beautiful imagery, whether it's up in Copper Harbor or in McLean. They're seeing beautiful pictures. And with the establishment of the Keweenaw National, or I'm sorry, the Keweenaw Dark Sky Park right. up uh, by the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge, right? This is sort of like a calling card now. So to me, that, that sort of slow travel, sustainable travel angle, I think that's continuing to grow. And again, I think we're really well positioned in order to capture some of that market. I have tried for years to explain to my friends who live in cities what the sky looks like at our camp out in Kenton. There isn't an electric no. line for miles and miles around. It is just completely, well, basically completely dark. And yeah. you see the sky. Yeah. And people downstate don't understand that they don't see the sky. Mm -mm. They don't see the stars. And they're so jealous when I tell them that I frequently see the northern lights as I'm driving into work. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I once had to suggest that maybe they shut the northern lights down as a traffic safety hazard <laughs> because I was behind a truck and they were out in the sky and I was you were driving north looking at them. Yeah. And I'm looking at this truck up in front of me. He's going this way, that way, this way, that way. And I thought he's looking at the. And then I noticed I was going this way, that way, this way. I thought these yeah. are a traffic hazard. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, be, there's no question about it, right? Because those are things that you, it's like a, it's like a double rainbow, right? When you see it, you kind of yeah. have to stop and just check that out. And in the early morning, right, that's the last time yep. you want to do it. But, um, but I think that just shows that there's a, something really compelling about that type of experience up here, because you're right. If you're growing up in Chicago, if you're in Grand Rapids and you look up every night, I mean, you see a lot of beautiful lights, but they're not natural. They're emanating from buildings and, and we don't get that wash out. Yeah, yeah. And I can recall back when I was living downstate and I would come up to our camp, the awe that I would have when I would step out that first night and see that Milky Way, because you just don't see that. No. You just don't see that downstate and, and in uh, developed areas yeah. anymore. Yeah. So let's look ahead a little bit. Winter is here. We've got our first snow. Mm -hmm. We're starting to get our first tourists, I would expect at this point, uh, not, maybe not really at the point where we can say that the trails are up and fully running and ready to go, but uh, we're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. The weather, I mean, it's always, winter is always about mother nature, right? Yep. And so, uh, you know, we know that there are people who are eager to get out and whether it's by sled or by ski or snowshoe to come up here and enjoy the snow product. It's just mother nature just needs to deliver. I'm hearing from our counterparts, really in the upper peninsula, you know, there's a lot of bare spots still, right? It's not, yeah. you know, we're we're slowly making progress. These cooler temps, right? We're you know, noticing the canals starting to freeze over. You know, we really need that. You know, that thaw that hit us uh, during Thanksgiving while, you know, as a local community member, like I took advantage of that, you know, the warmer weather, but it really did diminish our snow totals that had built up over early November. So we need to catch up a little bit. Uh, but People are eager uh, to get out there, and we just we just need to do some Heike Lunta dances and continue to pray for snowfall. I might have to get the Heike Lunta snow dance song. <laughs> I, I, well, I try to use that power very judiciously. You yeah. know, it's, it's, you can overdo it, and then you've got to get out the other song and and, and try to get it to stop. And you, you don't want to over, you don't want to abuse that kind of power. No, no. The, I think our residents would come after you, right? You got to be careful with that. With great power comes great responsibility, and yes. so you got to make yes. be judicious with that. Yeah. Well, and. <laughs> And it's that love-hate relationship that we have with snow here. Mm -hmm. I really don't like it when I have to blow it out of my driveway again. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, we all recognize how important it is to us and to our neighbors. Yeah, there, there's no question. I mean, Houghton has a, 
I mean, they have a, it has a snow, or the Keweenaw, I should say, has a snow economy, right? And whether it's, you know, folks um, who are participating in the visitor economy who are coming up here to, again, ski or sled, right, and, and spend visitor dollars in our community, you know, that's one side of it. But gosh, I mean, just think about snow removal and snow maintenance and all these other things that right, really power our communities, right, and continue to offer employment and jobs yeah. uh, that we wouldn't have otherwise if it wasn't for the snow. Well, and I was downstate when we had some of that snow uh, uh, before Thanksgiving there. Mm -hmm. And they had a fair amount of snow down there. And I was reminded how inept they are, at least relatively <laughs> speaking, in terms of getting the roads cleared. I'm driving around thinking we'd have these taken care of by now. Yeah. Obviously, they have a lot of miles of roads mm -hmm. down there, but they have more people to pay for it, too. Speaking of snow, we should uh, give a, a salute once again to Lonnie Gleberman and the folks at Mount Bohemia, which finished very highly once again in the USA Today's ski resort ranking. It's incredible what's happening there. This is five years in a row. Uh, they've finished at least in the top five. Uh, you know, third this year. Last year, I believe, was third as well. I mean, you know, this this isn't some sort of just, you know, random vote, right? This is this is a panel of experts select the, the competitors, and then it's a vote from the USA Today readers and the general public. So it's a two-fold competition. But, yeah, it, that that is a... A huge attraction for us in the winter. It's a huge asset if you're a community member and you love the snow, right? You, know, you can just drive up the hill and get world-class skiing. And, uh, you know, we're just excited to continue to see some of that recognition. Well, and I'm amazed by it because Mount Bohemia is not for every skier. Mm -hmm. It's a specialized type of ski resort. It does not have little bunny hills and, and things like that. It's a specialized resort for mm -hmm. deep snow skiers. Mm -hmm. And it's competing with all of these other full-service resorts. Yeah. And to get its rating by being kind of a narrow-casting, specialized place, that's yeah. incredible to me. Yeah, you know, it, it certainly has its own own spirit right and i think that's what lonnie they, they've cultivated you know this what bohemia is all about you know, sure. it's deep powder it's extreme skiing you know it's getting out there and really celebrating you know honestly lake effect powder and yeah. you know for yeah. for those of us who live in the midwest you know, yeah, you, of course, you can go out to the Rockies and the mountains. They're significantly taller, no question about it. But, yep. I mean, you're not going to find an experience like this really anywhere else until you get to the Rockies or you go out to Vermont or something like that. So, like, to me, you know, this is kind of the pride and joy of the ski scene here and not just Michigan, but the entire Midwest. Yeah, it's really incredible to see the growth that they have had there over the past years and uh, the impact that that is making at this point. What are the projections as we look into winter? What are you expecting? You know, it's always tough again because so much of it is dependent on sort of the winter, the yeah. winter snow cycle. And it's not just how much snow we get, it's how much snow everywhere else gets. Because well, and that's what yeah. I tell people. I say <laughs> what what we our perfect winter is enough snow for us to operate and no snow at all south of US-2. Yep, yep. And so that's for us. We just have to wait and see where that is. I can say from just talking to, you know, our early partners, you know, you mentioned Lonnie and Mount Bohemia. I mean, they they just finished up their season uh, sales pass, their $99 sales pass. Uh, they sold out this year, right? So Great. to me that, you know, they, it sounds like that they're expecting, again, if the snow product, op, you know, delivers a very healthy winter. Uh, we're already getting interest in, you know, sledding, right? We continue to tell people if you're going to come up here, right, uh, the trails aren't being groomed quite yet. Uh, we just don't have that base yet, but we're getting there. It should be very soon. Um, and, you know, expect some bare spots and stuff. So it seems like there's a demand, uh, you know, for the winter product. It's just a matter of waiting for it. And 
And, you know, finally, I mean, our, our events. So something we haven't talked about is uh, that U.S. cross-country championship race that's going to be happening at the beginning of the year uh, where about five, 600 skiers of an incredible talent are coming to Houghton, uh, coming to Michigan Tech. So events like that, Winter Carnival, right? I'm hearing, you know, those hotels or our rooms are already booking out for Winter Carnival. Um, right. You know, these things, these events that happen that, you know, we're known for as a community members, we love to appreciate and celebrate, you know, those continue to drive the winter economy as well. And some of our locally events that had to either scale back or shut down because of the COVID-19 situation. Yeah. Copper Dog 150 was pretty much back to normal mm-hmm. last year, drawing some people in. Yeah. Hagen Piva will be back this year. I don't know that that's a major draw from outside the area, but it's one of the things that uh, kind of powers our winter. So it's sure. good to see some of those things coming back as yeah. well now. Yep, and, and Michigan Tech is is back almost to like full form when it comes to team sports, right? Same thing for Finlandia, yep. right? So in terms of spectator sports, that's part of the visitor economy. These folks come in, whether it's by bus or personal vehicle, you know, to come in and celebrate and, you know, the spirit of competition and having all these things kind of coming back, um, you know, adds to that multidimensionality, if you will, of the visitor economy. And that's really important during the wintertime. What can all of us do to help this effort along? Because, I mean, I don't work in a hospitality industry. I don't see tourists on a a lot of uh, occasions and such, but are there things that all of us can do and keep in mind so that people will perceive our area as being welcoming and friendly? Yeah, there's a few things to do. And one I would encourage people to, I think living up in the Keweenaw, especially during the winter, like you have to get outside really to, to survive up here to stay sane. And so that means you're probably participating in things like whether it's snowmobiling, uh, or going up to Swede down to ski uh, or snowshoeing, things like that. And if you participate in these sports, volunteer. You know, give back to these organizations or areas or, you know, a little bit so that way we can continue to have this product that attracts visitors to the area. The other thing is, is if you're in a restaurant and you're waiting for a seat at the table, you know, treat your treat the local employees with some, some grace, right? Just make sure that they're all really busy too. And I know sometimes it's tough waiting for a seat at the table at your favorite restaurant, but have a little bit of patience because, you know, making sure that our, you know, our workforce is, you know, feels respected and, and you know, and not being run over, right, is really important for us to continue to provide exceptional service. Well, and um, God bless our restaurant owners. Yeah. They've been struggling with mm-hmm. staff shortages. We see some of them not open the hours that they want to be because they can't get staffed up. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, there are people people who are working, who are handling a bigger workload than they would normally handle mm-hmm. because they can't find enough people to hire to come to work. So yeah. be a little understanding, be friendly, yeah. be, uh, you know, give, give the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah. So, uh, as a matter of fact, the next segment of the program, we're going to be talking trails. we got uh, folks from the ATV club and the snowmobile club Great. coming in. Yeah. We're going to be talking about... Uh, about the importance of those and how that's all working. Get an update on uh, on the, the Lake Linden Trail rebuild project. There were some things that happened that went out for bids this week yep. uh, through the state. So that's uh, critical. But we're other than that, mm-hmm. we're pretty much back to normal on the trails. So we have the Lake Linden Trail um, project, like you said, that's going out to bid. You know, we were really hopeful it was it would be ready to go for this winter. Unfortunately, just things fell behind schedule and just didn't happen so but we're excited to see that project move forward um the trails out to frida 
right, or something that, you know, that was a popular spur route on the sledding trail uh, and ORV trail. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem like that's scheduled to be brought back online anytime soon. So, you know, these spur trails are important because it takes pressure off the main trail, right? You know, so it's, it gets, it's like a diversionary route. So it doesn't seem like that's coming back, at least from the DNR standpoint, at least until they find some additional resources to do that. Sounds like progress uh, near um, Atlantic Mine, right? We had that washout that happened at the beginning of the summer. That's right. Um, you know, that impacted connectivity. If you're heading down towards Twin Lakes, it sounds like that they have uh, a temporary reroute established. They've been working with local landowners in order to make sure that, you know, it moves forward. So we're really happy with that progress. Um, and so, yeah, those are the, the main trail issues. Uh, I think they're still ahead of us on the motorized side and it just takes time and energy. I know the DNR is working hard on it. I know the volunteers at both of those clubs are working hard on it too. Yeah, very much so. And we encourage people to get involved with that, particularly if you're one of those who uses those trails, uh, and you may, we'll find out more in the next segment of the program mm -hmm. that they don't maintain themselves. No. <laughs> There's no big group overseeing, <laughs> looking, you know, the state is not doing it. It's us. Yeah. It basically is. that's doing this, uh, Barriga County. County has an effort underway now to expand their trail system and improve their trail system, mm -hmm. and that's making some progress as well. I've been watching that. And, you know, we see how fragile it all is because all of a sudden over in western Gogebic County, yeah. a major landowner, a ski resort, had to say, for whatever reason, they decided to say, you can't use the trail across our land, and that pretty much shut things down, cut off a whole corner of the state. Yeah, it's something that I know the conversation here in the Keweenaw has been ongoing for the better part of a decade. How do we maintain the integrity of our trail systems? We were very excited to hear about um, the partnership with the Keweenaw, I'm sorry, the um, the Nature Conservancy and the acquisition up north in Keweenaw County, because I know one of the priorities there, and the DNR has been involved with this process at least for the last several years. Um, has been, you know, a real priority has been focused on maintaining that easement for mo motorized recreation in addition to prioritizing access for non-motorized recreation. So I think, you know, those types of partnerships, and this was a, a you know, a community partnership um, that really helped move that forward with the folks up at Cork, um, you know, those types of experiences are what drive those conversations because these are critical assets that are important, not just for the visitor economy, but the reason why we live here in the Keweenaw, right? I think yeah. for most of us is because yeah. we love the history, we love the outdoors. You know, if those trail systems aren't here, that means we can't use them either. Yeah, absolutely. Brad Barnett from Visit Keweenaw, thank you for being in. Thanks for having me, Todd. And hopefully a good winter season. <laughs> Let's knock on wood. <laughs>